This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Davis, you are listening to the Tuesday Club. This is the Arsenal podcast, and I've got Ty Papula with me today. How are you, T? <laughs> Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bad, actually. I'm I can see you there. You've just up. got a blank, sloganless cap. Quite unlike you. Uh, it's, it's a black on black slogan. It is. It is. is it? There is there a slogan. It's in there New is York. writing on there. It's New York. But you told me that you would tell me off once for wearing New York hats. You said it's like walking around with a Manchester United hat. Well, unless you're an actual Yankees fan, unless you've Yankees. got some legitimate claim on the Yankees, then you do. Yeah, you look a bit of a bell in, like you're in. Little, oh, well, mix. I mean, <laughs> little, little mix or something, you know. Or... Um, I mean, good, to, good to see you When you introduce D, I'm going to go and change back into my Will Travel for Disco hat, which is what I wear the other week. <laughs> <laughs> that one got a much nicer, nicer reaction. I've been playing tennis this morning, actually. Good for you, mate. Uh, Damien Harris is here. How are you, Damien? <laughs> Hello, yes, I'm A welcome sight is Damien's bald pate. Logoless bald paint. Yes, it's a bit unfortunate. This room. <laughs> Have you a got a skylight, skylight in there? You have got, got a skylight. skylight. Yeah, which yeah, does I might not have help. To take the brightness down on my on my <laughs> screen. I might have to chalk my forehead, well, my whole head. If yeah. we start doing the Tuesday Club for YouTube, then we could actually use that space to sell some advertising. Well, yeah, we totally well. could use that space there you for go. advertising. That's better. You could just write something on your whole head. You could write quite a lot on your head. <laughs> anyway, back to Tyre's tennis. Yeah, yeah right. Anyway, how so are you? So you're allowed right? to you're... do tennis, right? Tennis is allowed and, and fishing mm. is allowed and yeah, golf and... is allowed. Well, we're allowed a barbecue in your back garden now. Al. You've probably got the biggest garden, so we're allowed a garden so we could socially distance there for a barbecue. Kate, Up to six. Kate people. has bought a barbecue. It's funny you, you should say that. Yeah. And uh, we had to assemble it last week, and that took ages. Well, there's a there's a Man City <laughs> game requiring our attention in a couple of weeks' time, so uh, maybe we can. Uh, well, I, I might have to fire up all the televisions in the house and separate people into different rooms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we score at Man City, I can't trust that one of you two won't try and penetrate me. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Again. previous. You've got previous, Harris. <laughs> of course, because you guys, you guys did eighty nine. You guys did eighty nine together, didn't you? Yeah, we shagged, didn't they? We shagged on the yeah. sofa after Mickey Thomas scored. And I was, I, was, th- I was left in tears, and I wasn't sure if it was Mickey or Damien who was responsible. <laughs> <laughs> 
to this day, I'm not sure what it was if the emotional or the physical pain that caused me to cry my eyes out. <laughs> but when they came back after the ad break and it said Arsenal champions on the screen, I just burst into tears again. Like a, like a toddler who's just remembered he's fallen over. Oh, it was great. Happy days. Happy yeah. days, my friends. I just remember, it's, all, it's so hard to remember everything about that moment. And you do try... And especially now that everyone films everything. Um, but, yeah, I just remember you kneeling in front of the TV. Yeah. Sort of like like you were praying to Mecca. Uh, oh, yeah. and, I was not yeah. socially distanced from the TV. I was well within no. two metres. I think I was, yeah. nose, I was nose to nose with Elton Wellsby or whoever it yeah. was who was hosting it. <laughs> and my, and my, my two brothers just sort of not quite sure what to do. I were, heard, they, uh, were they even in the room? I don't think they were in the room. One Philip, of them was Tottenham for a start, didn't he? Uh, Stephen, he wasn't there, but Philip and Christopher were there, and they were, were they? both. Yeah, yeah, they were both in the room. See, I blame uh, that. And then my dad, <laughs> my dad came in a bit afterwards. He was a big goon. Mister Harris was a big goon, wasn't he? Yeah, but he had disappeared at half time because he didn't think we'd win. So he's a bit. He's got. He had a bit of Keith. <laughs> he was a bit like Keith in that way. <laughs> I heard Elton Wellsby on the radio the other day. He was a guest on um, Hawksby and Jacobs. And um, I miss Elton Wellsby. He was a favourite of mine back in the day. And I don't know if you remember, Al, maybe you weren't there. When we were doing, when we started all of this, um, when it was up for grabs, then they had the, over the summer or something, they had some tournament where they had me and Keith and uh, presenting some of the shows. Anyway, cut a long story short, um, Eamon Holmes was comp- spent the uh, time slagging him off. Said that he was a little bit pleased with himself. And I never a- quite liked Eamon him. Holmes was slagging off Elton Wellsby. For being pleased with himself. I know, I know. The man most pleased with this himself. Is preci- <laughs> this is precisely why I'm raising it now. <laughs> Elton Wellsby's been proved right, and um, Eamon Holmes has been proved to be a yeah. massive twat. Pots and kettles, Eamon Holmes. I know, right. Yeah. As well. Pots, it, kettles and conspiracy theories, but anyway. It's, Eamon Holmes is one of those people, I've met him a couple of times, I'm one of those people, who when you find out they're a Man U fan, you go off them. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not enough about them to bring them back from yeah. that from that brink. I'm a bit like that with Stephen Mangan, who I know quite well, I've met him several times, and he's just about got enough about him that brings him back for the brink of being a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's touch and go. I mean, I could lose him. I could easily drop him <laughs> as an associate. But he's affable when I see him now and then. So I can't, we don't mention it. It doesn't come up. We don't mention it. But given, yeah. that, given that time that we had a uh, rival in Man United, um, there is something special about having a... I know what you mean. It's like it's a lot more difficult to forgive uh, a mank when they've come out with it, basically, especially because they get a little bit sl- they get a bit a little bit sly, don't they? They sort of well, you know what I mean when I say if he hasn't got a Mancunian accent, they could just drop dead and stay out of it. It's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's rather like my my current support for Bayern Munich. I deserve nothing but contempt. It's like you with your Yankees cap. It's just <laughs> glory seeking. Although, I'd say I support Bayern Munich. When they won one nil against Dortmund the other day, I was gutted. So I'm very confused about the Bundesliga. <laughs> I just not getting any pleasure play. out of it. Yeah, I just put this hat on to play tennis, never again. But you're, in, you're indoors, too. You're not playing tennis. I've come straight from the tennis court to the microphone, mate. Oh. Without having a chance to throw my hat on the hat stand oh, on the geez, way in. It's really taking it hard, isn't it, this hat thing? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to get to you. <laughs> she was lucky you ain't got children. You'd murder them. Yeah. <laughs> David's now is shielding his head from the sunshine. I know. It's, it's, I'm going blind from the... <laughs> Now, Damien, everyone in Brighton's on the beach and social distancing's gone out the window, hasn't it? Since since the uh, Cummings <laughs> said you can go in here, you want to test yeah. your eyesight. Every person between 16 and 22 in the greater Brighton area is on the beach at the moment. And they're all randy as heck as well. Randy as heck. <laughs> randy as heck. I didn't think that was what was <laughs> going to come out. I mean, it was going to go with buggery, but uh, maybe that so would have been a mixed so they're message. So all getting off with each other and having a good time. Yeah, Hove Lawns is just a big orgy of hormones at the moment. Every time I've cycled past, anyway. How is <laughs> this going to work? That creates an image that's <laughs> yeah. not quite right. No, the whole thing's gone. I wish I'd brought it up. Well, yeah. In a couple of weeks' time, Brighton will be playing at home. And how's that going to work? Like, because the ground's just a little bit outside of the out of the town, isn't it? Like yeah, it's quite a way out of the town, isn't it? It's in the middle yeah. of nowhere. So well, it's they... not like there'll be people hanging out there, like in some of the other, like you know, like at Anfield, for example, where you can be like you know in the streets. Yeah, kind of doing well, it. You know. That was one of the reasons I think. Um, the Amex was considered as one of the sort of few grounds. I think early on they were going to sort of just pick several grounds that were out of town for that reason. Um, but I don't know what... We I'm... don't know. We think we might be playing at home. Uh, we're, we're recording this, listener, on Saturday. It's the 30th of the day, isn't it, of May? And we've just heard a couple of days ago that the Premier League will return on June the 17th uh, with Arsenal have a fixture at Manchester City, which has been postponed a couple of times. And it's now on. I think that's happening at the Etihad. I haven't heard it isn't. But I have heard that Liverpool are not going to be allowed to play at Anfield. There's too much fear of their fans turning up and getting overexcited. Uh, Sadiq Khan is quoted in the standard this week as saying, I know, human nature as it is, fans will turn up to see the coach arriving. Which is really quite a, <laughs> quite a stretch to call that human nature, I think. Human nature's to shit in the woods, right? <laughs> Human nature's what's happening on Hove Lawns. But going to the ground to watch the coach arriving when you're not allowed to get in, that isn't human nature. That's just that's a combination of depression and some sort of personality disorder. It's quite a rubbish thing to boast about as well, Sadiq Khan. <laughs> Sadiq Khan being really proud that he knows that. He knows that. I also think that the, the concern, surely, is that Liverpool fans will turn up uh, not to see the coach arriving, but to attack the opposition coach. This is what they're best known for. What they're trying to avoid outside Anfield <sighs> is the windows being stoved in. But they're they're not going to be allowed to play. They've got. I think they've got a game at Goodison. When Arsenal have stuffed Man City on the seventeenth, then Liverpool win their next match and they're champions. And their next match is at Goodison, and they're not going to be allowed to play it at, at Goodison. They've got to no. go miles away because their fans were will want to congregate. Of course they will want to congregate to celebrate. I mean, you talked about this a couple of pods ago, I think, but I remember us saying in one of the more depre- after one of the more depressing games, why have we all spent X amount of season to go when we could have pulled today's money, had a private room, <laughs> had all the, f- you know, like with a big screen and loads of food and drink brought to us and actually enjoyed the thing. 
And I guess that's what we're going to have to do now. Well, isn't it? It's your opportunity to test that out. It's your opportunity <laughs> now, isn't yeah. it? They have a few home games. I think, hang on a minute, this is fine. What? <laughs> this is all right. I mean, every single game is going to be on the television, right? Sky are doing some free-to-air coverage. Is that BBC right? have got a few games. Yeah, Sky, some of the games are part of the subscription that were already slated for broadcast. And the other ones, they're going to show free-to-air. Um, the BBC have got four games. They're very excited. They haven't had a live uh, Premier League game ever. So they're really, really excited. And, uh, and yeah, we kick it off. I'm not sure if it's us or Villa. Villa, Sheffield United, was po- both these games postponed originally because of the League Cup final. So they're... That's why Villa and City have got a game in hand. And um, If we don't want Liverpool to win the league, then we have to support City and hope they stuff us and then Everton. This really is a bit of a long, it's, a long yeah. shot. It's a long shot. But you'd like it to go to the wire. I mean, it'd be funny if it went to the wire, wouldn't it? Yeah. I just still can't care about this season. I mean, of course I'm going to watch our games. Of course I am, but it's... I don't know. Can we just start again, please? I know what you mean. I, I have that similar thing. It's, I mean, there'll be useful games. It's almost a bit of a dead rubber, isn't it, really? We just, you know, use this to try things out. I well, you say that. You say that, lads. If we win nine in a row, we're in the Champions League, right? I mean, there's a lot to play for. There's a lot to play for in the next few matches. We're outside yeah, the top four at the moment, but no one knows who's going to play well or who's going to play badly. So I hope the players haven't jacked it in and they're looking forward to next season because <laughs> I'll, I'll, we're a few points off here at the moment. We've definitely got to finish above Tottenham and, we, and we've got a chance of getting up to fourth if people start dropping points or nicking points off one another. See, I'd completely forgotten about that. Right, I just got to WhatsApp the players because uh, in the group I've been a bit down. Like, oh, you know, we're on holiday already. You just went from naught to sixty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a second ago you just said, "Yeah, I know what you mean to." And Do you then, know what? Real off and no, load of I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get sucked into this. this I'm bang up complacency for it now. about the return of football. Hang on, I'm looking at the table. We're on forty points. Chelsea are in fourth on 48 points. So we're eight points off with a game in hand. So if by some miracle we do win at the Etihad, we're five points off with nine games left. It's got to be worth a run at it, hasn't it? It's if on. If we get spanked by Man City, it is, it's, it's a little it's bit on. on. Like, it's nearly on. But Man United are in fifth place and they're five points ahead of us. We're only a point behind Tottenham. And if we get a draw against, against City, we're level with Tottenham with nine games to go. So, so, do we have a date? Do we have a date for our North London derby? Because that's basically what we're here for. I don't think the fixtures are properly up yet, are they? I don't think they're going to play that at Tottenham's ground either, are they? They're going to play that. That supposedly that's slated for a neutral ground. That could be uh, the Amex. In case, in case what? In case Arsenal fans go and hang around outside Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the atmosphere. No one's going up there. I can tell you that now. So they can't <laughs> might might have some faith in human nature. I mean, he will go and watch a coach. No one wants to go to Tottenham High Road to watch the coach at all. No one, none. <laughs> you could safely stage that in that I'm... ridiculous toilet bowl of a ground. No one's going up there. I'm I'm quite tempted now. <laughs> oh, you're going to go up there for the coach. <laughs> Should drop the players in by chopper like they do yeah. on who wants to be a, no I'm a celebrity get me out of here they should land the teams on the centre circle maybe there'll be new levels of razzmatazz if we start the season with if we start the season with no fans then we can go back to the beginning of the Premier League days when they had the uh, 
I don't know. Da- well, dancing girls and boys on the on on the on the, on the pitch like a mascot oh, yeah. fight. Mascot fight beforehand. We're going to need. You know, yeah. we're gonna it's need, a we're knockout gonna... at halftime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you remember Swade being on the pitch at our place? Yeah. Do you remember that, D? God. Was yeah. it Swade? No. Or was it the I Shaman? Don't... Was it the Shaman? <laughs> it was the Shaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was the Shaman, wasn't it? And they built a, a they built a stage. This is part of the early days of Razzmatazz. They built a stage on the pitch, and the shaman walked. I think from the clock end to the stage, and they got booed all the way. There. <laughs> <laughs> and why did anyone take against the shaman? I don't think anyone had a point of view about the shaman until they just sort of slouched across the pitch, looking like a rock band in a field, which they were. Well, Mister C's a massive Chelsea fan, isn't he? Yeah. Is he Mr. C? Is he one of the shaman? Yeah, Richard West. He was the yeah. Mr. C to me is Richie Cunningham's dad in Happy Days. That's Mr. C. (laughs) Stick with that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What were the West Ham cheerleaders called? Were they the 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 Hammerettes? Hammerettes. Yeah. The Hammerettes. You always have to calm Keith down when you see a cheerleader. You have to point (laughs) out to him, you know, that Keith, these girls are fourteen years old. They go to high school in Dagenham, pack it in. We never oh, had any. Oh, look, oh, anything with ets on the end. What if you say it when there's a serviette and he starts having a hormonal nightmare? <laughs> we never had them. Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace had the eaglets, didn't they? Yeah. We've never had cheerleaders. We're too classy. It's not the Arsenal way, is it? We're the Bank of England club. I like cheerleaders. I've always liked a cheerleader. Marvellous. <laughs> I was working on uh, I was working on Heart Focus. FM. Heart FM about twelve years ago for a couple of weeks doing the breakfast show. And uh, and at that time they had NF and NFL games were going on at Wembley and I can't remember who was over for it. Jacksonville or something. I can't remember anyway. And they and we get a call from reception, because we're up on up in the building doing a radio. Oh, some cheerleaders have turned up. They're promoting the uh, promoting the NFL game. They've got some shirts for you. Uh, can they come up to the studio? And I nearly fell off my chair. There's going to be actual <laughs> cheerleaders in here. I haven't even had my breakfast yet. I've been here since four. And the producer said, no, we don't want them in here. And send them away. <laughs> what? Why would you send away four cheerleaders with a free shirt? A free shirt! And you're um, there going, actually, no, actually, that's a... Uh... Let's get him back in here. Yeah. It's no good on the radio. Maybe that's what. Maybe that was his thing. It's no good for the radio. It's just good for the presenters. Yeah, yeah. He, he knew. He'd, he'd been there before, and he was right, I suppose. <laughs> now, gentlemen, we have a sponsor this week. Exciting news uh, for the Tuesday Club. This is a breakthrough for us. Um, we are sponsored by BOTB.com. If you go to BOTB.com forward slash Tuesday, you can play spot the ball to win a car. Now, these people, they used to be called best of the best, and used to see them in airports. And you could try to get enter a competition to win a car. They've now moved online, and you play spot the ball, and oh. you get a picture with a couple of people looking at a spot, and then you can mark lines on the picture and where they intercept where you think the ball is. And you're not looking. It turns out for the actual ball, they have a panel of experts who uh, who used to include amongst their number, though not currently. Sol Campbell for a couple of years was just doing this. <laughs> Sol Zier Jeremiah Campbell used to try and work out where it, the ball was. And as a player, I remember he was quite good at finding out where the ball was. 
So you mark it where, where the crosshairs are. That's where you go and, and you can win a car. They're, at the moment, they're doing two cars a week. They've been doing this for 20 years. They're giving 30 million quids worth of cars away. They also have lifestyle prizes, televisions and holidays and watches and all sorts. And it's quite cheap to enter. You can, like for a quid, you can win a Mini Cooper. So botb.com forward slash Tuesday. Uh, get on there, play spot the ball, see if you can win a car. And if you do, let us know. Have you been following? I still, I still haven't got into, I still haven't got into the football thing. So, I, I mean, the only footballer I follow, the Bundesliga. Hector, well, the only footballer I follow is Hector Bellerin. He's been doing um, a lot of training stuff. But um, what state are the players going to be in? Are they in full training now? Full contact. Martinelli is like the Incredible Hulk. I d- Martinelli he's, he's on the Buffy left is. hand side. Martinelli, <laughs> yeah. Have we got that song? Martinelli we have us three side. have at the moment that came uh, that came last week we've had some oh. quite a good email do you want an email yeah let's have an email gonna do an email for you uh, this one is from Alex Janio J-A-N-I-A-U-D um, it goes like this <coughs> my arm was broken my arm was broken <laughs> Moro. Moro, 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 my arm was broken. My arm was broken. You saw it, you claimed it, you touched it, you broke it. When Adams, the chief, put sunshine on Keith. <laughs> I thank him for his work and your birth and my birth. My arm was broken. My arm was broken. Moro, 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 Moro. I've been singing it honestly all week. I've been singing that. That email that came sense. to me. That email came to me at five twenty-four last Saturday, about two hours after we recorded, and I've been singing it every day ever since. <laughs> What's his name? Alex Janio. Janio. J A N I A U D. Take a bow, fellow. Take a bow. Take a bow. Alex, you saw it. Stephen. Yep. Yep. Touched it. Yep. No, I remember. I was broken. I'm just in the bed for your tea. Carry on talking. No, that's sensational. Go on, Dick. All my A&R training, I still don't know what to do. Uh, Yeah, great. Jump on it. it. Jump Uh, on it, mate. We need to monetize this. That that came up again this week, actually, in another another podcast. And it got me watching watching their highlights. Uh, Anthony Stokes, we had him for a while, didn't we? Anthony Stokes, we did. Yeah, Anthony Stokes um, scored right. scored two two in the in in the game because they beat Rangers three two, right? That's it. So he scored two in that game. I remembered him. We had a few strikers around that time who never made it. Well, Ali Adier is the one that kind of springs to mind. But Ali I was there was a yeah, Ali Adier had all the skills and no eye for goal at all. I mean, why could he never score a goal that bloke? Tom Barker sends an email. I haven't got any pictures of Tayo at posh school because I didn't go to school with him. However, hearing him talk about playing football at Goldsmiths in the early 90s with, with Bertie Steen made me wonder if this squad picture contains a youthful Tayo. And, uh, and it turns it out it does. 
Ooh. It does. I showed it to one of my mates this week and he said, you look like um, Loic Remy's fat kid brother. Basically. <laughs> which, which um, it was... Uh, yeah, it's quite a big squad. Quite a lot of you lads in the squad there. I'm looking at a picture. Home and away kits. Yep, yep. Um, Bertie Steen wasn't in that team, but he's not in that photo. No, you yeah, are it was, indeed. It was a very, yeah, was a very, very good white. find. It's a very good find from 1990, I think 1994. Do you remember when we called Tom Huddlestone Theo's fat sister? <laughs> that was a fun couple of games. <laughs> I don't that remember that. Fair. I don't um, remember that at all. Tom Huddleston was a Spurs player I didn't hate. Maybe because he never really felt like a proper Spurs player. But he had... um, Who's who's the guy that you love who pings the ball well? Sam someone, Al? The one that you were oh, really excited about? Billings. Billings at Bournemouth. Was it was that Sam Billings at Bournemouth who Sam Billings was a, was a cricketer, isn't he? No, there was someone who used to get very excited about how they used to um, people are getting I've had a couple of messages of people getting annoyed about factual mistakes on this podcast. Oh really? <laughs> uh, they must be new listeners. <laughs> Huddleston yeah, Huddleston. Philip Billing. Philip Billing. Philip Billing is the player. He had that sweet ping about him as well. So he didn't feel too he never felt too spursy basically. Sam Billings uh, Sam Billings plays for Kent. <laughs> Right, yeah. So it's, it's a so right-handed, it's a different Billings. right-handed bat. Phil Phil Billing plays for Bournemouth. Okay, so any pedants down there who want to email me can naff off. Alfie Powell has emailed me saying, "I'm trying to get a song going to the tune of Eternal Flame' by the Bangles." Really optimistic, isn't it? Close your eyes, pick up the pen, Saka. Will you sign a contract, <laughs> please? Will you do it now? Are you ours for life, or am I only dreaming? Be a winger, Bukayo Saka. Needs work. It's alarming that he hasn't signed, though. We're not going to lose him, are we? I'm, I'm just hoping it's agent talk. It's a strong rumour. He keeps reappearing, this rumour that Liverpool want to take him up there. Yes, it I, is disturbing. I would jack it in and support Cologne if that happened. I mean, if we got This kid's got to be tied down to him. Come on. But this kid's it. the best thing but that's come it. out of our youth system for years. But flip it. What does, he, what, does, he want to, does he want to be part of this? You know, are we, is it as attractive Arteta, to Arteta has just got to play him every game from now, from June the 17th till August the 1st when hopefully we win the cup in an empty Wembley Stadium. But he's just got to start him and give him a shirt and say, you're in the team, my friend. Stay with the Arsenal. We'll play you. In his, preferred, in his preferred position or are you sticking him in left back? I don't know what his preferred position is. I don't know. Well, the, le- oh, the left back's fit now. Is Tierney fit? I don't know who's fit. But I'd, I'd be absolutely gutted if we lost him at the end of the season because we couldn't get him to sign. What's it take? What does he want? How has that happened that he's... I guess it's... I mean, his, his ascent was so rapid, they probably didn't see it coming, but... He wouldn't get in the Liverpool team, would he, at the moment? So Yeah, him and Martinelli need to stay. What about the others? What I mean, it's, others? sorry, just quickly, interesting that we always used to have that thing that Wenger is good with youth players and his reputation. So you, uh, if you had this situation when Arsenal was still here, you would say, you know learn under him for a couple of years and then when you're 21 and you're not happy then you know look to go somewhere else but maybe we've lost that and maybe Arteta needs to convince him of that as Al said it does yeah I just don't I don't feel very pessimistic about it I don't feel that we feel very attractive anymore and then you read about the you read about the mess higher up you really you read about what what mess what 
What mess? With the board. You, are you talking about the the, 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 the Sir Chips Keswick stepping down? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Big news. We should have a, a little moment to pay tribute to Sir Chips Keswick. Sir Chips. We had a story in a few months back, obviously, because he's just been a he's been a paper chairman for a while, hasn't he? And he's been he's had all the authority taken away from but him. What, because... what is the mess? What mess higher up to are you referring to? The transfer mess. The 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 fact that the the club is owned lock, stock, and barrel by you know the mess higher up in terms of what money we're spending, where we're getting our players from. I mean, it's all from the same super agent. We've now got a situation where. David Louise, who we paid eight million pounds for, and then you find out that it's for a contract that's got an option in it, and yeah, that was but who would you success- keep? I mean, he, he, they successful signed, buy, they signed him, right? They signed him because Shelney wanted to go. So I don't know who who would you keep out of our centre backs. Uh, hopefully, Callum Chambers will return to full fitness quite soon. Uh, Rob Holdings there, Saliba's joining from San Etienne. Socrates is still there. Mustafi's still there. Uh, so I don't know how many centre-backs we need or which ones we would prefer to keep. Um, it might, they might try and uh, give another year to Louise. I imagine it's quite an expensive contract. Yeah, it's just really disappointing that we're... I mean, I don't know, you talk about the centre-arse, OK, Saliba's coming back and holdings... It's hard to talk about holding in chambers because they never get a... They, they never get a clear run. It might be a bit harsh, but it always reminds me of the of trying to decide who the good one was out of Selly, Morrow and Hillier back in the day when we were having those conversations a lot, trying to decide who the good one was. I think you've got a short I think you've just got a short memory there too, because I think Rob Holdings had a lot of bad luck with injury, but do, do not forget how good he was in that cup final against Chelsea I'm not the for- potential of the player. And Chambers was our best player at the beginning of the season until he got injured. He was our best defender. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of always want more out of like I mean, obviously it's not holding fault he gets injured, but I haven't had a you know heard had a good run with him, and yeah, Chambers was um, Chambers was doing all right, but I don't know if he's is he doing all right. Do we keep on changing our expectations because our expectations have been lowered by what we've seen? I keep on having this conversation about whether you know we've had really really good players before, and now we're starting to you know we're always trying to kind of rally around our own, but I just don't know if we've got good enough players anymore. Well, perhaps we haven't. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, D? You love Arsenal players. Who's yeah, your, who I, you, I do. Who would be oh, your well, centre-back pairing? Well, this is, uh, I think the big question is, is the, you know, do we start again? Do we get rid of, you know, get rid of Meza, get rid of those big names and just start again? And not, start with Mesa's you. He's not going anywhere, though, is he? He's not going anywhere. He's going to see out his deal. We all know that. Yeah. No one's going to pay him three hundred and fifty grand a week. No one's going to pay anyone three hundred and fifty grand a week anymore. And Bale's sitting on his contract for another year at Real Madrid because no one will buy him because no one. He's on six hundred thousand pounds a week. Yes, he's not going. To, he's, I guess he's not going to China now, is he? It's just going to sit there. Özil's going to sit where he is. These contracts were ridiculous when they were given. Way too much money. Both of those contracts, ludicrous. But yeah. that probably answers your question about whether someone like um, uh, Louise gets taken up again, because maybe no one will take him off our hands. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to find which of these players are the good ones, because we're 
going to be stuck with him. Well, right? Louise was a favourite of Arteta. He played him every game. It was obviously only ever going to be a short-term signing. They gave him a year with a 12-month option. Um, it was a last-minute thing because we needed somebody, and he's played a lot of matches. He's been okay for us. I don't. He's, he kind of divides opinion, doesn't he, Louise? I don't know quite why people feel so strongly about it. The hair. Uh, it's the hair. Andy Gronenberg has emailed me. Uh, I'm utterly delighted. Um, this member of the freeloading scum is utterly delighted at the return of your magnificent podcast. Well, Andy, you've just got me a hello. This is absolutely not. <laughs> On one of your recent podcasts, you offered stories attached to gaining autographs. I thought I'd share mine. Going back to the early to mid-70s, my dad worked as a police officer based in King's Cross. He was placed on the North Bank Task Force. Uh-oh. I remember them very well. <laughs> Coming on the North Bank where they're banging their trunctions on the on the metal st- things they used to lean on saying come on you wankers that's what they used to say to us Uh, although although being from Glasgow and a Rangers fan he admitted to having a keen fondness from the Arsenal my brother and I would wake early on Saturday mornings to watch the kids TV one particular Saturday morning we noticed a rather large gold trophy with a miniature dartboard on top adorning the fireplace when my dad came down we quizzed him about it oh yes I won that playing in a doubles tournament with Frank Stapleton, he said. (laughs) (laughs) There were fabled stories of Arsenal and Tottenham players frequenting the Prince of Wales pub in East Barnet. Pat Rice lived close by in Cockfosters and Kenny Sansom lived not far away as well. My brother and I looked at each other with an, oh yeah, pull the other one look. Some weeks passed when, to our surprise, my dad arrived home from work one evening with none other than the big Irish forward following him into our house. (laughs) Outstanding. (laughs) My brother and I were aghast. Frank produced an Arsenal autograph book signed by the entire first team, (sighs) plus Terry Neal, Don Howe and Fred Street. My dad went a bit further and had given Frank a Polaroid camera and handed us pictures of the players signing the autograph book. Blimey. Couldn't wait to show my friends at school and was the envy of all our ardent Arsenal fans. Sadly, I have no idea where the autograph book <laughs> is on now. Thank you Excellent. very much, Andy Gronenberg. Frank Stapleton came in his house. Isn't that have you got... Yeah. Did, we, did we get a story from Dee? An autograph story. Uh... Got a couple. Um, mm. So, do you remember Brian Jacks? Superstars. 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 Yes. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Whitstable, as everyone knows, is the windsurfing capital da, of, da, the, of the southeast. Da, da, south coast. Da, da. Um, he yes. came down and he did an appearance um, <laughs> at this water windsurfing competition. Hang on a minute, he was a judo player, wasn't he? Was I know, windsurfer? I know, but he was there because he was a celebrity. So as you can imagine, as anyone that's been on television in the 80s, it was sort of surrounded by loads of kids in anoraks running behind. And uh, I said, uh, can I have your autograph, Brian, or I'll do some judo on you? <laughs> And he uh, said... Uh, were, you, oh. were you a judo player, Dave? He said, oh, do you do judo? And I went, no. No, no I don't. <laughs> I just needed something to say, Brian. And I felt really stupid. Oh. So, uh, but you got his go. autograph? Uh, yeah, I got his autograph. Have you got a footballer's autograph, Dean? Uh, 
Did he I, used to be mates with um? You got me a Bobby Zamora shirt once. Yeah. And when you like used to sponsor when Damien runs uh, uh Red oh, Skin, when Skin sponsored Skin, Brighton. Skin, yeah. 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 We got uh got quite a few sort of Bobby Zamora things. Um, Where are they now, Bobby I, Zamora? I queued up. For when they did the Centurions DVD, when both Dennis and Thierry got um, uh, got to a hundred goals, they did a DVD, which is I know a bit Tottenham-y, but you know. Um, and so I went to Highbury one Wednesday afternoon and queued up uh, as a thirty-year-old man with lo- and loads of tw- <laughs> loads of twelve-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> that marvellous. <laughs> and, uh, marvellous. And uh, there was me and this other bloke who was probably in his early 20s. And uh, we were one of the last ones to go in. And they both sort of gave us their autographs. And the bloke with me said, do you want me to take a picture of you with them? And I went, oh, no, it's all right. <sighs> what? I know. You should have grabbed one of the kids in the queue and just pretended it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, your I didn't want to bother them, and they were. Uh, but yeah, so I've got both of their autographs. Uh, as you can imagine, we had a great chat. Uh, okay. I wasn't at all nervous, or you know. Like... Well, let's let's flip it. Have any Arsenal players got your autograph, Al? Ah, a bit ridiculous. It'd be, it'd be absurd. Uh, Bobby Bobby Zamora's interests outside football include involvement in a social housing scheme with Rio Ferdinand and Mark Noble. You just just cannot make this up. Uh, Autograph tales from Daniel Diggins. Gentlemen, uh, one of the members' days after they moved to the Emirates, I went down and spent the morning watching the open training session. Uh, Myself and a few other fans waited by the players' exit to get a few autographs. All the players we asked for stop, with the exception of two. Adi Bayor in his enormous Cadillac Escalade and Tinkerbell himself, Emmanuel Ibue. Unfortunately for the latter, there was a bit of traffic and he was stuck, music blaring <laughs> like a concert. <laughs> Looking for a solution, he took his phone and pretended to answer a call under the steering wheel and with his phone back to front. <laughs> <laughs> so Ibue. So Ibue. Just went down into the footwell and pretended to be on his phone. Absolutely marvellous. Le Boss, uh, in typical fashion, uh, stopped and had a quick chat. I've got one that I'd like, if any uh, Tuesday Club listeners could clear up. There was a rumour going back years when... uh, the when Carney used to play for us, that he used to drive around North London just like stopping and chatting to people. Yeah, because he was lonely. Because he was a little bit lonely. Mm. So if anyone can confirm that they've seen Wanko Carnu uh, driving around North London or spoke to him, and if you can let me know whether he was wearing, uh, you know, plastic sandals like like all my uncles in the area always used to wear. I would be keen to know, you know, the Tuesday Club... Uh, uh, what is it? Tuesday Club podcast at gmail.com. That'd be good. That is the email address, Tuesday Club podcast at gmail.com, or you can uh, send me a tweet at Alan Davis one Now, Perry Cornford. Afternoon, gents. You know, like an autograph story. I met Tony Adams as a kid when we played Gillingham in a pre-season game. He was a great bloke. And then turned my autograph book back to the back page and signed it on the Mark Flats page. Andy Linnigan, however, just said no and walked off. Linnigan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite a good one, thanks, Perry. I reckon Sol Campbell doesn't sign autographs. Do you? Can anyone confirm this? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I just... Uh, 
I watched him on um, one of my favourite programmes is Soccer Box, Gary Neville's Soccer Box. And I was very excited to see that Soul was on it. But it was a bit like getting blood from a stone. It was a really, really tricky interview. And um, I don't think he signs autographs. Did I tell you about when he sat next to me in church? Yes. <laughs> no. But you didn't tell the listeners. Yeah, he sat next to me in church. <laughs> My wife is, uh, grew up in a, a Northumberland village called Corbridge, which is obviously where we should have driven in lockdown if we'd followed the Cummings laws. Yeah. And uh, they have a very nice uh, Christmas service for kids in the church, the 11th century church mentioned in the Doomsday Book. And in, in that area also are the Barrett family. The Barrett family, of course, made their money from building houses all over the country. And Sol Campbell married into the Barrett family. Anyway, I'm sitting quite near the back on a pew, uh, and suddenly, really very suddenly, to my left, was an enormous impact on this pew. <laughs> I nearly jumped in the air. And I looked to my left, and what, the, what the size of this person who'd arrived next to me, the biggest, I mean, real childbearing hips, this person had. <laughs> And it was Solzir Jeremiah Campbell. Wow. The, uh, yeah, he was. And we had did a little, you have a chat? We did have a little chat, and in fact we arranged to meet for a drink on New Year's Eve, but I bottled it. Oh. I just didn't want to go out. You didn't get him to sign on, you know, Psalm 121 or whatever. It's, been a, while. it's been a while since I asked for an autograph, I'm, I'll be honest. It has been a while. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But Sol was up there. Yeah, Sol was up there. Well, the modern thing is now a photo with, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. the thing that the autograph has been replaced by. I mean, I have quite a lot. Do you remember the the uh, the end of season party where I DJ'd? We DJT. I mean, I have a lot of photos from that night. At end of season, what at the club? Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. Didn't, why? Why were we doing that? Uh, Giles was doing it. Charles Peterson. Charles Peterson. Yeah. And the only one that hang, hung around are the players because we were still going, the season was still going. So I spent two weeks trying to plan what I would play to the current Arsenal team, which for a DJ is a, you know, big thing. They all buggered off. And the only one who stayed was um, Al Mounier, wasn't it? Was it, was it I, I, I do. I remember now. I remember you putting an inordinate amount of care into your. To your set. T. Yeah. T. Yeah. Player autographs. Yeah. Sol Campbell. This is an email from Elder Fouch. Elder says, great to have you back, guys. Back in 2003, my mate, who's always been a bit of an Arsenal player groupie, she liked to hang around the clock end car park waiting for players and told me she'd actually shagged Anders Limpar once after a game. Not in the car park, I hasten to add. At a hotel. <laughs> uh, she told me... <laughs> Sol Campbell would be signing copies of his DVD. I didn't know he had a DVD. At the North Bank in Highbury. I had no interest in the DVD, but I had a shirt I wanted him to sign. I bought it off eBay, so it was obviously 100% genuine, and it already had several other signatures, Henri, Burkamp, Pires, etc. So I went along with that. We queued up with a load of kids. Familiar, D? Queued up with a load yep. of kids. <laughs> and having paid around £15 for the DVD. God, those were the days when you could get 15 quid for a DVD. I got to the table, clutching my shirt. Soul looked up, smiled, and asked me my name. Elder, I said. And he spelt it out. E-L-D-A. And he signed it. I said, would you mind signing my shirt for me? He said, yes. And he graciously did so. And I walked away with my signed shirt and DVD. 
as I looked down at the DVD, he'd written on the cover, To Leader. <laughs> I've never watched. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, here good you go. Mailbag. There you go. Good mailbag. Yeah, this good mailbag. Good mailbag. Oh, there's a song. What's this one? Oh, this one. oh I like this one. Oh, God. Uh, no, no. I mean, sorry. Oh, great. <laughs> I meant, sorry, did I say, oh, God? I said, oh, great. Great, Alan's going to sing again. <laughs> this is the last time I'm going to sing, OK? OK. Promise. <laughs> OK, now, Frederick Egan has uh, written to us. Frederick Egan, you've done a few of my song suggestions in the past. Bakary Sanya to Radio Gaga. All we need is oh, Bakary yeah. Sanya. Bakary Sanya. Uh, Emmanuel, fring pom pom pong to the thong song. <laughs> and it would be great to hear a repeat of those. We've done that. I also have a new suggestion for you. Song Kiss, Crazy Nights. Uh, Kiss, uh, the rock band Kiss may not be familiar to some of our younger listeners, but their most famous song goes like this. Crazy, 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 crazy nights. Remember that one, lads? I'm sure you played it often. If any one of theirs I do know. Crazy, (laughs) then it's a key change. Crazy, 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 crazy nights. Anyway, Frederick's suggestion is... my only thing with that is because I was hoping Ainsley would get the Nigel Winterburn song Ainsley Ainsley you know, would have been nice. Yeah, but that was a good one. I do like make that. Niles conservative. Is I'm... he going to make it? We, I mean, we still love him as a footballer, don't we, Al? Because he loves his. He loves a little. He's a street footballer, isn't he? He loves a little touch and a look away. We love I him. would love him to stay. I would love him to stay. I love him to be in the team more often. I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember very much about what happened in that se- in the season just gone. But didn't he? Didn't Arteta start like? Didn't he sort of fall out of favour with Arteta? Yeah, being late for or training. He's late for training and Arteta was complaining. Hey. Don't you remember the song, T? Well, <laughs> could be a song lyric. Um, <laughs> uh, do, you, uh, do you remember Boom, Boom, Boom? Let me hear you say Kion, Kion. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, how about this? Bukayo, let me hear you say Saka, Saka. Bukayo, let me hear you say Saka, Saka. I made that up myself. You can have that. Very good, good. Because it didn't really suit Kion. Did it? A boom, boom, boom. Oh, I think the boom, boom, boom suited him. Everything he did yeah, was boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Well, with it. with um, D, obviously you're obviously a big fan of Mori Kanti. <clears throat> I'm just wondering if there's yeah. a Bakaya Bakaya Saka to Yaki Yaki. I haven't quite uh, worked it yeah. out yet, but give it give it give it a, give it a week. Basically. Yeah. I'll do the three o three. 
He passed away, didn't he, Murray County? He did, yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. can you carry this on in a private chat room? <laughs> the acid <laughs> yeah, house chat room. Neoclios. Hi, lads. We used to have a Duke's bar in Limassol, Cyprus, and throughout the years we're lucky to have the many Arsenal players of the 90s come and go. I have many, many stories to tell, oh, but God. I'll start with this one. <laughs> 1992 FA Cup final, Liverpool against Sunderland, and we had the whole Arsenal team watch the match in the bar. because Mickey Thomas was playing for Liverpool and scored for Liverpool in that game. Obviously, the beers flowed all day and all night. I was sitting at a table with Alan Miller talking about his role as a reserve goalkeeper, at which point he leans close to me and says, I'd pay someone a lot of money to break David Seaman's legs. (laughs) The shock on my face must have been evident, because it was swiftly followed by an only joking. He wasn't. And then he goes, more, Duke, more Duke's bar stories to come. And then he's got a picture of Alan Miller doing karaoke and two middle-aged blokes looking suicidal watching him. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Marion. I think that's a podcast on, it, a podcast on its own, isn't it? Who was your... Alan Miller was my... I think Alan Miller was the first sort of reserve keeper that I remember on the on a, on a poster. When did he come oh, to I the club? Uh, he came from the youth team, didn't he? I think he was a good-looking lad. Didn't, didn't didn't get a lot of games. Eighty eight to ninety four. Yeah, he was on he was on my like uh, my my first ever Arsenal poster. He was uh, yeah he was the reserve keeper on it. I wonder if um, he had a decent. That's a good one. Who's a, who's reserve keeper on your first ever Arsenal poster? Yeah, who was your? Who was Mine's your, Jeff Barnett. This is what made me think. Like you can date yourself. <laughs> you can date yourself by that, Jeff right? Barnett, so Jeff, yeah. who was. Who was who was the keeper? Bob Wilson was the a goalie, years. but he got injured uh, in a. We told his story last week. He got seriously badly injured in an FA Cup semi-final. Although Peter's story said he was a coward for not continuing, uh, his ligament had snapped. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff Barnett played in goal against Leeds. That's the first Arsenal game I actually remember. It was a seventy-two Cup final against Leeds, and we uh, Arsenal lost one nil. And and Mick Jones dislocated his shoulder and wore a bandage. I remember that. Perhaps the last person to come back on strapped up. But we've got more of that. I've got a story about that later when we talk about Eddie Hapgood's tomorrow, the marvellous book. We spoke. Uh, we spoke to. Um, we spoke to Bob Wilson a couple of weeks ago for um, for the handbrake yeah, off. You can so say. You can say. You can say. You, is you're like, in a rival Arsenal podcast. You can say you're trying to dilute our listenership. We spoke to. <laughs> we spoke to Bob Wilson. <laughs> we spoke to Bob Willow. Wilson a couple of weeks ago on the handbrake off, and it really was. Yeah, it, it was. It was amazing. It was just like a, and again, something that we'll talk about when we talk about the Eddie Hapgood thing, but just going back to a time that is just as Arsenal as now, but obviously there's, there's less written about it. And it, it was just like taking oh, an audio bath. Um, he's a great man. Like listening to him just, just, just go through his uh, amazing career and how rude uh, some of the, he said just Frank McClintock was just incredibly uh, sweary to, to, to all of them all the time, but was a magnificent man. So yeah, fair play. Yeah. Uh, Paul Barron. Paul Barron was on. Yeah, uh, yeah was the reserve keeper was on your my reserve first keeper. Hours. Yeah, so Alan Miller, Paul Barron, and what was yours? Jeff out? Barnett. Jeff Barnett was mine. Again, I'd like yeah. to know. Uh, Rob Castle has emailed. Afternoon or welcome back from a former season ticket holder now living in Colorado. Uh, I'm listening to you struggling to pick a midfielder for your all-time Arsenal eleven that are furthest from the Fiesta. Uh, just wondering how John Bloody Jensen never got a mention on the on the basis that one, <laughs> only good thing he ever did was not in an Arsenal shirt. Two, it was shite. Three, his transfer toppled King George, and four, he was the player brought in to replace Rocky when he wasn't fit to lace his boots. Well, all of these are fair points, but um, 
I once yeah. was employed, I don't know why, by Channel 4 to do a programme with Steve Cram uh, as a series of preview programmes for the 1994 World Cup. And Steve Cram and I flew to Copenhagen and watched Denmark play, I think it was Norway, from the touchline with John Jensen. And... Uh, a nicer bloke. Are you making this I'm up? I'm not making it up. It's not a dream I've had. There's, this is. I'm telling you, I should start a YouTube channel with a weird TV I did in the 90s. This is absolutely true. And I spent the whole time on the touchline with Steve Cram and John Jensen. And lovely blokes, both of them. And John Jensen in particular, I thought, this is the nicest man ever. And it's actually, actually too nice. He needed to be a bit nastier, maybe, in midfield. But, uh, yeah, so for that reason, I'm sorry, Rob, he's not in the shit fiesta. <laughs> Stefan Schwartz deserves a turnaround in it, doesn't he? I no, you wanted him to be good, D, but he, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't bad. It was just I, I think we were in transition at that point, weren't did we? Did we get him from Fiorentina, or did he go to? No, he went from us. Didn't he stay around and go to Sunderland? I can't remember yes, what happened to him. He stayed in the Premiership. Yeah, he never really found his feet at Arsenal, did he? Elliot Guthrie is emailed. Elliot Guthrie says uh, they went. Him and his mates went to see Arsenal play Olympiacos, and they met Ian Wright at the Acropolis, and he was really nice. I've summed that one up. It's quite long. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> now, gentlemen, we uh, we've been going on a while. We 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 do um, looking back at a season each week while there's no actual football on. So we and we do a book, the Tuesday book club, and we do on this day. Um, any preference which one we do first? No. Okay, let's do the, so go on T. I was going to say, let's do the season first. Let's do the season first. So we're looking back at the 2015-2016 season uh, when Arsenal should have won the league. I mean, I think it's fairly <laughs> unarguable that we should have won the league in that season. Uh, if you may or may not remember, the, the league title was won that season by Claudio Ranieri's Leicester City. And any season where Claudio Ranieri's Leicester City can finish above Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, something is seriously amiss. Uh, we were top of the league at Christmas. We beat Manchester City and were top of the league and we're really feeling like we were going to win the league. And in fact, I've got from the Bournemouth programme on December the 28th, I like to do the captain's log, as you know. Do you remember who was the captain in the 2015-16 season? Was it Koscielny? It was Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta oh. was the Arsenal captain. I wonder what happened to him. 2016 season. Uh, he says... Today's our last match of 2015. Um, this is this home game at Bournemouth. And when I look back, it was a great year for us. We have taken more points in the calendar year than any other side. We have to try to extend the calendar year until May! Exclamation mark. 2015 was also the year we won the FA Cup for the second time in a row, and that's what I will remember when I think back on the year. Special day. The club is heading in the right direction. I what do remember happened? all that. I do remember all that calendar year stuff, and it was the just can, it was most really points annoying. in the calendar year 2015. Top of the league at Christmas, cup holders, going for the title, and if you remember, everyone else was in absolute disarray. Nobody could get their act together. There were change of man manager at Man City, and at Chelsea, and at, at Man United, and that it was wide open for someone, as is proven by the fact the top three in the league that year were Leicester, Arsenal, Tottenham. They were the top three. And we somehow contrived to blow that title. Well, it was the beating Leicester at our Home and place. away! We beat them home and away! Five we, we scored two. five at their ground. But after that, we then uh, we threw it away. 
We lost to Man United. We lost to Swansea. We drew with West. We blew the West Ham game, didn't we? Yeah. Four nil against uh, four nil against Southampton on uh, on Boxing Day. Do you remember that one? Yeah. That was that came five days after we beat in Manchester City at Highbury, and we all went into Christmas Day absolutely cock a hoop. And then Shane Long happened. Shane Long happened. Yeah. We lost at home to Chelsea. We lost to Man U. We lost at home to Swansea. These pitiful results. And suddenly it all fell apart. I do remember that, Leicester, because Danny Welbeck was nothing. I was, was it in February? Cause in fact, actually, it was yeah, on Valentine's, uh, Valentine's Day. It was on Day. Valentine's Day. I remember watching it in uh, Goa and running out of the restaurant, delighted. And um, Oh, yes, Welbeck <clears> scored a winner in... Uh, Welbeck, Welbeck come on. Yeah, Welbeck come on and scored from an Ozil free kick. And yeah, that was it. I remember a Leicester fan, you know him, D, uh, D Rob, Rob Hives, Rob Starr. Yeah. He said um, he was he was in the crowd that day and it was just like, look at you lot celebrating like you've won the league. I remember him sending me a message saying, look at you lot celebrating like you've won the league and that you finally dealt with little Leicester. So I obviously sent him a long, a long message back, just sort of like, ah! Ah! You bit, and, you bit on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always bite, T. You always bite. Said, said, always Dave, bite. said, said Damien, who just lets these things slide, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatevs. Well, we did blow it. We totally blew it. We got seventy-one points, and that was enough to finish second that season. Leicester got eighty-one. Eighty-one. Points. We, we lost three games. Yeah, eighty-one won you the league that year. We lost seven matches and drew eleven. And absolutely blew it. We did win the Community Shield, yes, which Chelsea. is the day, if you remember, that Arsene Wenger refused to shake hands with oh, glorious. Jose Mourinho. He uh, went around Mourinho the back of him, didn't he? Around. Wasn't Mourinho doing that thing, like just being at the tunnel? Sent, he was like, waiting, waiting, waiting for, for it. Waiting for yeah, him. just to make it somehow, like sarcastically saying, About oh, well him. done, you've finally beaten me. And, and Wenger ignored And then we signed Petr Cech and this was supposed to be the thing that was going to But that was it. Tighten us up at the back, and he made two mistakes against West Ham on the opening day, and we lost two 0 And I, well, I had a you. gig at the Edinburgh Festival. I remember I was doing a show at the Edinburgh Festival, and I went out on stage, and a bloke about ten rows back went Petr Cech. That's really, <laughs> really, probably the best heckle I've ever had. And I bit, I totally bit. Oh, all we need. To, I said I thought Chelsea fans were banned from this gig. There should have been a memo. I don't know who it was, but who was the manager and who was the ref? Because and it's going to be a prick, and I'm going to posit that it was Mike Dean. But you have to be a prick to send off Sandy Cazorla, don't you? Because Sandy Cazorla got sent off early in that season. I can't remember, Did he? but who by oh. in one of How the first few. This Sandy is it. Off? That's incredible. Two nil. I'm look, I found it now. We lost two nil at Stamford Bridge. Cazorla two yellows, and that was the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the Gabriel. It, of course, it was Mike. Yeah, it was. Of course it was Mike Dean. Mike Dean. Of course it was yeah. Mike Dean. Of course it was Gabriel Mike Dean. Gabriel got sent off. Gabriel got sent off the as co- well. It was the Costa thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Had, um, and Mourinho was going, look at look at what uh, Gabriel did in the thing that's after. That's right. Gabriel, Gabriel fell for a bit of provocation from Diego Costa. Santi went late in the second half for a second yellow. And then Callum Chambers scored an own goal in stoppage time. That was a great day. Another great day at the bridge. We had a lot of luck there in recent years. But then, and then a few days after that, or two weeks after that, we beat Man United 3 0. Oh, what an amazing that, performance that, that was. was. That was really perhaps peak, peak Urzel and peak Sanchez, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. That Glorious game. Absolutely I fantastic. Loved, yeah. They both scored and it was a brilliant. We atmosphere. swept him away really early, didn't we? And then it was. Yeah. Um, and the, ref, the referee was Anthony Taylor, too, just to be. Hmm? 
was it? Uh, other memorable matches from that season include uh, Tottenham Hotspur 1, Arsenal 2 in the League Cup. Can you remember the oh, man who scored twice? Flamini. 90 minutes. Flamini! Oh, it's his night! It's an extraordinary volley. He scored twice. Mathieu Flamini. Flamini! The Sweeney one was the keep the Sweeney one was the keeper D, not call on me. That was the problem for Matteo. He had about three songs vying to be number one. Nigel Flamini. Nigel Flamini, one of three players who Wenger brought back. It's always a mystery to me with Arsene Wenger why Jens Lehmann could come back, Sol Campbell could come back, Flamini could come back, Thierry Henry, of course, could come back. But other players can't come back. You know what? Anyone in in particular? The two players. Two players who went. Nicholas and Elka and Cesc Fabregas who went and won titles for Chelsea and could have come and won titles. For Arsenal, anyway, he didn't move on. Uh, Joel Campbell, <laughs> one of the he was he was around in that season, a, wasn't he? With a Joe Cal, Joel Campbell, yeah, yeah, Joel Campbell. Uh, I mean, it was. I remember getting quite excited by him because they he showed a few little bits, unlike you, D. I know he was talented. He was a talented boy. Yeah, and you just think because it, it hadn't he been out on loan for about ten years or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Wasn't it Betis? Uh, yeah. We sent him out to Betis or something like that. Yeah, he played in every he played in every league in Europe. I think. Yeah, uh, and he was always oh just close, and he did get a couple of really good goals that year, but never quite made it. But with all the fuss and all that time that we spent. Signing him, you'd kind of hope for a little bit more. That was one of the um, yeah. That's that's a typical uh, like later on. He was in the surge. He was in the surge Nabry camp, wasn't he? He was one of those surge Nabry type signings. We he couldn't quite hack it. One or two leave, and like, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain has left and gone on to bigger and better things, and Serge Nabry's gone on to bigger and better things, and one or two disappear. We never seem to get it right these days. We, no. we uh, through through it all, we kept Theo Walcott through thick and thin, <laughs> no matter who we had. But it was uh, around that time that was when Man City and Chelsea just started buying up every youth player that showed any promise. Didn't I mean? It was a time when Chelsea had forty-four players on loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Chelsea and City started doing that. And I don't know whether it was a sort of a business decision as much as a football decision. And so, uh, so it just. I think he it put a bit more pressure on Joel Campbell when he arrived. But he was uh, one of those. if if I said to you where did he play, you couldn't tell me. Do you know what I mean? He um, was on the right, wasn't he? Well, he was on the right, but Costa you know, Colo Torre started on the Tony left, Costa so Rica. you know, he was starting on the left yeah. up front against Chelsea that time. So we know where that Do one. Do you goes. remember what happened to us in the uh, in the FA Cup that season? Can you remember? Was that where we lost? To... It was the only cup tie we lost. The only FA Cup tie we lost in four seasons. Oh. We had an incredible run in the cup. It was at home to Watford. Yes, two one. And it was in the quarterfinals. Oh yeah. And we lost two one at home to Watford, and we got knocked out. Igalo scored. Now of Old Trafford, and we had a, an absolutely humiliating catastrophe at Hillsborough in the League Cup. Well, we got thumped three nil, and we put out in a, the worst kit we've ever worn. Didn't we get That's some? Didn't we get? Team. Didn't Alexis get a bad injury in that game? Am I making that up? No, I don't, well, I don't think Was Alexis that, did. I think Theo Walcott, Theo Walcott came on 
We sent some. No. We sent some oh. people out pretty patched up. So let's have a look at this. Yeah. We tried to pick play. Oh yeah, it all went wrong. Not only did we get knocked out, but we had injuries as well on the on that night. Joel Campbell played in that game. Walcott came on and went off again. I think the Ox got injured, and we played Kamara. Where are they now? Debushi played, got booked. Debushi, what a signing! <laughs> Elderly fullbacks we have signed in recent years. <laughs> uh, one other thing about that season, we got spanked uh, home and away by Barcelona in a round of sixteen, and uh, um, as ever, we failed to top the group and got a difficult draw. And got done by. Did we get uh, abs- we, well, I know we did. Lionel Messi. No, isn't this the? Um, we're Bayern Munich in our group. Yeah, I think that's right. Bayern Munich were in our group. We lost five-one to Bayern Munich <laughs> on my birthday. Ouch! Yes. Oh, that's quite a good one. Funny you should mention that because someone said to me, Danny Meehan emailed uh, last year for his birthday. He was in Baku for the Europa League final, which took place on his 21st birthday. Do you guys have any Arsenal birthday memories? Are any of them worse than getting a 4-1 hiding off a London rival in the European final? No, I don't think anyone will top that. 5-1 against Bayern is a good effort. We've played a a lot on my birthday because it's always the second week of the... Well, apart from this season. But being an August baby, then it's the second week of the season. So we've played a couple of home games and had a couple of drinks afterwards on my birthday but I can't remember any, uh, can't any remember catastrophes any bad ones. well my birthday's March the 6th we've had all sorts of catastrophes uh, and this particular season we drew two all against Tottenham on March the 5th uh, just one other thing about this season before we wrap it up uh, Don Howe passed away in 2015 in, in the middle of that season and there's a in that same match day programme that I was reading from earlier the Bournemouth one uh, effusive tributes to Don Howe which is nice to see a great man of Arsenal, indeed. FC. Uh, one other thing about that season, <clears throat> um, when and it really was the moment that we turned into them because that I remember watching that Chelsea Spurs game where um, Azard scored twice, I think, and I think that, was then, Ar- that was Arsenal's goal of the season. That equal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then the sight of, I remember I was watching it at work, I was working on the radio that day, and watching Eden Hazard go into the corner to waste time so Tottenham couldn't get an equaliser while I lay on the floor laughing. And it was a moment when Arsenal and Chelsea fans were united and we did turn into that. I mean, it was the last sniff that we had of even winning the league and it was hilarious that they didn't yeah. at that moment. So that was probably, that ended up being probably one of my favourite moments of the season. Apart from, was the, the but also the last day of the season was the latest St Totteringham's Day that we've had because they got spanked by Newcastle and we yeah. won at home against yes. someone didn't we so we we so, just really messed it up we, we, just, we yeah. drew four or five games in the running it's it's a there's an argument to say that it, it's it shows how hard it is as a london side because we had draws against spurs west ham and palace but i was at the west ham game it was the last time we ever played at upton park as i remember we drew three all and we were up you know we, we were ahead at coming into half time and i was behind our goal looking down the other end and i could see both of our fullbacks on the edge of their box we had absolutely no idea how to run a game of football in those days. Mm. Uh, Andy Carroll uh, got a hat-trick in that game. and uh, I mean, it was a fantastic afternoon, but really annoying as an Arsenal fan. We ended up snatching an equaliser to get a point, having, having yeah. been up 2-1 and cruising. Ozil, Ozil and Sanchez again were magnificent. They were brilliant that season, and the uh, year before, both of them. I mean, you do look at... <laughs> 
who we had, you know, Santi Sanchez. I mean, it was why I, I don't know. Well, we were we we broke down too easily, I think, wasn't it? Um, one last bit of trivia on that season: who scored the last goal for us? The last goal of that whole season? Yeah, I'm going to go for Giroud. A little known lad. Is, that, is, it, is it the uh, FA Cup final you're referring to? No, no, 2016. A young oh, no. Michael Arteta. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Right. There you go. Was that his last? Was that his last season for us? I mean, I'm, I'm a bit worried now because of what you said about the the pedantic listeners. Um, I think well, it's not what it says on my uh, oh. on my page here. <laughs> it says our Typical. last goal of the season was an own goal. And that was a lovely end of that. That last game, that last game, because Arteta was in floods of tears. Yes. That's it. That was quite a... He showed how much he loved the Arsenal. Yeah. I've got high hopes for Arteta. I've got high hopes for him as a manager. I really have. Me too. I just need to get his name right. um, Let's not dwell on 2016 any longer. I'll get really angry. The Tuesday Book Club. Gentlemen, the Tuesday Book Club this week features uh, Eddie Hapgood's autobiography, Football Ambassador, which was written in 1945 and was reprinted uh, a few years ago and was actually part of a season ticket welcome pack about 10 years ago. And um, I don't know about you, but I... It's odd to me that I've had this book for 10 years in my house and I've just picked it up to read it because we started reading football biographies to talk about them in this podcast. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yes. It really just totally transports you to another era, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) It definitely did. Unbelievable. I did that. It definitely did that. And, I mean, there's the the obvious parallel with, with the times we're in now when they're talking about playing. I think it's Sunderland on the last... The last game before the last game before the war kind of thing I've just made a program this isn't just a chance to get a plug in it is relevant I promise just made a program about um, Hampton and Richmond Borough and their you know and part of it features their last game before you know before the shutdown and they talk about a weird atmosphere in the ground and so on and I was just reading um, Eddie Hapgood talking about it um I think we beat. I think it was Sunderland. We beat Sunderland, and he just said in the dressing room afterwards, the players, the players knew that it was weird that they were not going to, you know, perhaps not see each other again or so on. So yeah, um, that period over the war and just watching the game. The last game before up. the war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stuff. I mean, some of the stuff he has to go through. I mean, even stuff like nearly losing his kid, um, his mum nearly. You know, it's all that. You read it with that sort of stiff upper lip mentality in your mind. Uh, you know, they almost planes almost crash. Yeah. When I lo- yeah. when I almost lost yeah. my leg. When I almost yeah. lost my leg. Yeah. And when I spilled when I spilled burning when I, burning, <laughs> when I, I spilled burning petroleum over me and no one thought I'd play <laughs> football again. I was out yeah. on the I was out on the pitch that later. They're going to an away game and and the train nearly derailed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times they had brushes with death. 
I know. 25 years. Anyway, so things that caught my eye was when uh, Frank Moss, the famous Arsenal goalkeeper, this is in 1935, dislocated his shoulder at Everton. This is, he had shoulder problems all his career. And Eddie Hapgood famously used to go in goal quite often. And he went in goal and Moss came back out. Having had yeah. his shoulder put back in and strapped up, he came back out and, uh, this made me laugh, was asked to play on the left wing because everyone who's a bit useless gets asked to play on the left wing for Arsenal. The Arsenal Played team. on the left wing and scored a goal. Yeah, the goalkeeper yeah. scored a goal with a dislocated shoulder, got the equalising goal at Goodison Park, which I, I mean, I know I've said this before, but Goodison Park is my absolute favourite away ground. Fantastic stadium. Can you imagine it? Heaving with people. Yeah. Arsenal were double champions at that time. They were, and they did go on to win the league that year in 1935. It's what Stuart, 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 Stuart Pearce had a copy of Eddie Hapgood's book under his arm when he, uh, when he threw on David James to do something similar. Do you remember that? <laughs> I thought you were being serious then for a moment. No, I was. There's another time, also uh, another time, I know about him having the book. Also, oh. uh, Hapgood had concussion. Again, this is a good as yeah. well. Uh, and was moved to outside left. This is what happened yeah. when he had concussion in those days. Get and out. he played most of the second half, of which he cannot remember any of it. And he was told afterwards by Tom Whitaker that he'd gone on a brilliant dribble and nearly scored. But yeah. the goalkeeper turned it round to both. But he said, it, I have no memory of it because he had... He had to read it in the paper the next morning. He does say that he was frequently knocked out by the heavy football on the pitch. Yeah. Doesn't he? He yeah, when that. he was a teenager, one of the problems he had initially in his early days as a professional was being knocked unconscious <laughs> when heading the ball. <laughs> And so they thought the answer, because he was a vegetarian, yeah. wasn't he? Which yeah, was yeah. they said, no, it's because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> Have a bit of it's meat. Absolutely nothing. It's got nothing to do with it at all. So they made him eat meat. I don't know if you've seen The Game Changers, that documentary about veganism, absolutely brilliant documentary about sports, nutrition. It sounds like a boring subject. It totally isn't. They, they needed to see that in 1930. <laughs> but it, eating meat is not the answer. But anyway, he, yeah. he, he stopped. Eventually, he managed to not be knocked unconscious by heading it. Um, I was, I'm curious, what voice did you read it in? Yeah. Was it now, sort of Chum, Chumley, I, I, Chumley Warner? Mr Chumley Warner, I've been exactly watching a lot that. of Pathé News. Yeah, but I don't think he's quite like that or not. Or, uh, there's uh, a lot or, about him, um, Condi. Uh, or the Artful Dodger. <laughs> or, or Keith's dad. <laughs> <laughs> so well, of course, oh, blimey. Actually, he's a Bristolian, isn't he? And he's a Bristolian. Uh, yes. Yeah. And he's a, he's a... And sorry, apologies to Bristolians, but this is this is what you sound like to me. <laughs> so he he's could have a, spoken in the Keith sort of generic bumpkin that could Yeah, accent. generic bumpkin. He came from Bristol. There was a little bit... He had a chance to play for Bristol Rovers and they wanted him to be a coleman or something in the summer. And he yeah, he wanted, it, so he wanted to, to stay with the milk. He wanted to stay with his yeah. milk he rounds. He wanted to keep his milk round on. <laughs> anyway, he got signed by Arsenal. Uh, Herbert Chapman turned up and said, do you smoke or drink? And that was all he said to him. And he said, no, he didn't. And in fact, he, he, he never smoked. And he, uh, he he won the FA Cup and drank lemonade, he said. Anyway, he had lots of memories of him playing for England, uh, giving away mm. a penalty against Scotland where he got dirty anonymous letters calling him Dirty Hapgood and saying, <laughs> it serves Arsenal right. Uh, he went to Bucharest with England and uh, they were fated everywhere they went. Crowds of people, thousands of them. There was even a gay gypsy orchestra <laughs> to enchant us over lunch. So I'll put a note here. Keith Dover's nightmare scenario. I highlighted that too. <laughs> Funny how the gay gypsy orchestra... <laughs> Different uses of the word gay, of course. And, and probably gypsy uh, that's, as well. That's where the humour is there. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's possibly gypsy as well. He talks about. Uh, it's interesting it, reading about the Battle of Highbury, wasn't it? Um, very much so. Very much. The Battle so. of Highbury actually um, didn't featuring um, uh, listeners featuring uh, England and Italy. Actually, the Italians were. What were they? They were on a hundred pounds, an Alfa Romeo, and they were going to have their military service waived if they won the game. So that yeah, was a, that's that, right. that was the incentive. And were they not the world? Were they the World Cup holders? Or they? It's in 1934, I think Italy won the World Cup. Might be wrong. Anyway, they came to Highbury no, to play against an Arsenal team that um, that had set, an England team that had seven Arsenal players. Yeah playing in it. Uh, the quote that I like from Hapgood about that match, no, which became known as the Battle of Highbury, um, he said, it is hard to keep your temper when someone resembling an enthusiastic member of the Mafia is wiping his studs <laughs> down your legs. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine Gwen Doozy rolling over. Oh. And also a very famous match that he played in, apart from the famous Battle of Highbury, he played in May 1938 in Berlin, in the Olympic Stadium in Berlin with 100,000 Germans seekheiling. Hitler didn't turn up, actually, but Hermann Goering was there. And uh, Hapgood yes. said that Goering had more medals than I had international caps. And, they were, and, the, and the England team were, well, I'm not going to say forced, but strongly persuaded for diplomatic reasons to give a Nazi salute in the in the Berlin Stadium, which they didn't want to do. But they they were highly motivated to win and spanked Germany 6-3. Cliff Bastin got one of the goals. Stanley Matthews got one of the goals. And one of Eddie's favourite games. It's good to see the it's good to see the FA um standing up to Standing up to international pre- international pressure way back in 1930. It was interesting, well. wasn't it? Because they, hadn't yeah. they played them before and yeah. they didn't do it and the crowd That was at the them. Berlin Olympics. In 1936, the Berlin Olympics yeah. and the England amateur team went over to play in, in Germany and uh, they didn't give the salute and they got booed and uh, they thought they could really turn the atmosphere nasty. But yeah, a bit of a shameful incident. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I'd never heard of Meisel, the Austrian coach, who was known as the Austrian Herbert Chapman, and they went out to Austria. And he went when Austria went two one up. Meisel went behind the goal and told his players to waste time and the, and give away free kicks to see the game out. And I thought, this is this is Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> his this, tactics the, come from Vienna, nineteen thirty eight. The beginning of shithousery. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, yes, I thought that was very interesting. I thought the uh, Austria uh, training sessions in the Black Forest, which was arson, always arson's yeah. preferred <laughs> uh, method of pre-training, wasn't it? It's also mad Arsenal as well that he, Austrian camp. It's also mad yeah. that he trained alone quite a lot. He had his own, yeah, he had his own regime where he'd kick a ball up to the top of the stand at Highbury and then try and trap it on the way down while it was like bouncing off so stairs, cobbling off. Echoes of Dennis, of course. Yeah, well, no, on, on slightly on better pitches, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I quite that, like the uh, description of, um, sorry, of uh, Herbert Chapman. Yeah. Herbert Chapman is a very famous, of course, figure at Arsenal. And, um, but I did, never heard him described in this way. It's been hugely animated. Almost sort of like a, like a Pep Guardiola. So he'd, if he, in making a point in a team meeting, he would take off his jacket and fling his arms around. And be, he said it was like a human dynamo, very mm. energetic, once famously knocked over and destroyed a hat stand without even noticing he'd touched it. 
He loved him. He obviously they obviously all love Chapman, and when he when he died, they were heartbroken. Yeah, it's really touching yeah. what he writes about. Yeah. And then and then George Allison takes over. Yeah. Is that right? In there. Yeah, I, uh, carry on. One thing that was nice for me on a personal note, so Dennis Compton was my dad's hero. And um, my dad always used to talk about practising with your other foot. So if you're right-footed, and he, my dad didn't give me much football advice, but the one bit was try and play with your other foot, so your left foot. And it, it turns out that that was one of Dennis Compton's little tricks was that if you're a right-footed player and then you surprise them with a left foot and that was always one of his things. So that was quite nice, I thought. Wow. Yeah, there you now, go. Now, one thing I did like from Eddie, uh, at the end of the book, he gives his do's and don'ts in yeah, playing yeah. football. Uh, don't wear ill-fitting boots and make sure you've got shin pads. And then he says the stomach plays a very important part <laughs> in soccer and lets the chat... Let's a chap down badly if it is not in the right condition. In my youth, I always had a big meal an hour or so before the match. That is wrong. The general procedure is a good breakfast and a very light lunch consisting of boiled mutton or fish, or what I consider best of all, a poached egg on well-crisped toast. I know that it's wartime, but those things are not prohibitive. And anyway, you are supposed to get one egg per week most of the time. However, to continue... If this is carried out faithfully, a great improvement will be noticed regarding your wind. <laughs> I mean, I... You turn the page. That sentence comes over the page. It's actually the last thing I expected him to say. It's the one thing I underlined in the whole book. <laughs> He's had years wrestling with wind. Yeah. To try and run about with a heavy meal is a thing which no sensible athlete would do. It can be dangerous. A ball hard driven into a full stomach is not only painful, it can have serious consequences. <laughs> well, he yeah. actually drove a ball into Mussolini's lap. Uh, that's something yes. else from earlier on in the book, isn't it? He, uh, yeah, that's right. He, um, his caricature of Mussolini is quite funny as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, it's a good... The stuff, it's a good... the stuff about the war. What about meeting Bill Shankly at an RAF camp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he played against Shankly. Shankly mm. played for Preston. He played against him when Shankly played for Scotland. A couple of mentions of Bill Shankly. One about Scotland getting a winning goal and Shankly absolutely losing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then how he met him on an RAF camp and he hated being in the RAF. I d- well... chatted about football for ages. I d- the... Um... Wasn't his corporal sort of made him? Oh, you're so Hapkin from Arsenal, aren't you? And made him do, made him clean the floor. And the corporal was a Spurs fan. Turn to be a turn. Yeah, see, yeah, I mean, that really sums them up, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> sums them up. What's wrong with those people? And one other thing, one last thing on on the book that I liked was uh, Highbury was requisitioned by uh, during the war, and so uh, there were there weren't matches at Highbury, uh, but there were ARP wardens there, and there was one night. I mean, I can, I can hardly believe this is true, but they said there were 124 incendiary bombs fell. Uh, the east and west stand survived somehow, um, but the goalposts, yeah, goalposts were on fire. The assistant trainer, who was on a 24 hours on, 24 hours off watch, uh, told Eddie that yeah, it, it, the goalposts were alight at the north bank end. As they often were, of course, when Ian Wright was playing. Three, yes. No, I thought it was very good. It, it gave me an appetite for more. I've got an Alex James book on my shelf. It might, I might have to feature. Alex James does get mentioned, doesn't he, in the book a couple of times? Yeah. But, um... Well, yeah. It's all those the, the, his character. 
Interesting. He he was sort of it made him out to be a little bit of a celebrity, didn't it? I mean, that's Very that's much so. that's the thing that it's hard to get your head round. Um, just how popular, just how big football was. Mm. It's that's quite easy massive. to it's quite easy to read it in a sort of almost condescending way, but it was enormous. There's, there's, he talks about going with the FA Cup to Islington Town Hall and the upper street being absolutely thronged with tens of thousands of people and then they yeah. had to get out of a side door and go and play a match that afternoon at Highbury, which they managed to lose 1-0. But Alex James, yeah, he said... He, 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 I remember going to Arsenal in the 70s and people still talked about Alex James and Cliff Bastin, you know, the older fans. And they're yeah. quite often mentioned in the matchday programme and it all seemed like another... Well, it was obviously another era, but it was pre-war. There was no television. You could never see them. It was all word of mouth passed down. Of course, now you think back, well, 40 years ago, you're talking about the 80s and, and all those players that we still still love. It was only only 31 yeah. years ago we won the league at, at Anfield, and we go on about that all the time, and it must be like that if you're 17 years old now, thinking, what are they going on about? <laughs> but that Alex James was the legend, and the, these stories in the book about him not turning up at a championship banquet because he's fallen out with the club or refusing to sign a contract and leaving it all summer. and He was the one that all the publicity hung yeah. around, but he Did- was the superstar of the team. He was the Ozil of the day. Did you um, feel, especially as in the current climate and uh, the whole Dominic Cummings affair, there was a story about him getting lost on a ferry that sort of sounds a bit dubious? Oh, I understand. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right, OK, sleep, and I found time. myself, I found myself in uh, Hampstead Heath in the bushes and, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and this guy fell on me and, uh, like, sorry, I can't yeah, do the accent. You're, 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 running, you're running away with uh, something yeah. potentially libelous. Yes, I apologise <laughs> to Alex James and indeed all Scottish people. Yeah, Dominic Cummings is one of the only people in the country who's going to be allowed to take his pick of Premier League matches to attend. Hey, so that was Football Ambassador by Eddie Hapgood. I thoroughly enjoyed it and recommend it heartily if you're a football fan, especially an Arsenal fan. I think we should wrap this up, gentlemen. Do you want to do On This Day? It's the 30th of May. Um, I remember coming back from a 40th birthday, very hungover, and going to... going to... It was Wembley, wasn't it? Was yeah, it? the 2015 Cup final was at Wembley. Yes, I got on a May picture the 30th. Of you. But we had, um, well, we all we weren't we were all quite split up, weren't we? And we had to meet up afterwards because I just remember being down the line of Alexis's goal, but quite high up. Yes, we were quite high up. Yeah, I've got. You know, I was in the upper tier in that one. We were right behind that goal when Sanchez hit that shot. I kind of thought he was going to try one. Mm. What a goal! Sanchez can hit them from here. My word, he's hit that one. And has totally ripped it past Shea Given. Alexis Sanchez at Wembley again. I watched the highlights again um, with Stuart Robson co-commentating. God, nothing drains the fun out of a 4-0 <laughs> FA Cup thrashing than Stuart <laughs> Robson. Um, true. Yeah, but uh, it's really long way out. What a, what a hit. What a player he was for us. Yeah, and, and of course it was Tim Sherwood. I mean, we were really nervous, weren't we? I think there was that 
it was the first one we'd won in to get over the twelve centuries without a trophy under Arsenal. No, no, no. We? we were the holders. We beat Holders oh, yes. before. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Uh, Aston Villa had beaten Liverpool, if you remember, and uh, they had Christian Benteke, and they'd won. They beat Liverpool in the semi-final, somewhat unexpectedly. Oh and yes, so yes. And we got through to play them. Uh, our side was Chesney in goal, who's the reserve keeper that season. Uh, Bellerin, Murtasaka, Koscielny and Monreal Coquelin, Cazorla and Ramsey with Ozil, Sanchez and Theo Walcott playing centre forward and Giroud on the bench and Walcott had got a hat-trick a week or two before and had secured the centre forward spot in the final and promptly scored the first goal and then coming off the bench we had some good players on the bench we did uh, didn't Alex we Chamberlain, Olivier Giroud Flamini was on the bench as well and, uh, and Jack Wilshire came on also in that match uh, as he did, I think, again, subsequently. Didn't he come on against Hull as well, Jack Wilshire? Kieran Gibbs was on the bench, and David Espina also. Uh, but the, 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 it was really um, an extraordinary display uh, from Meza Ozil in that game. An absolutely magnificent display. He was substituted for Jack, came on. But every t- if you watch her, every touch is exquisite. I know Villa didn't really turn up. They, Jack Grealish was there, he was 19. Fabian Delph was there. They had one or two players. But Arsenal battered them that day. Yeah. I mean, we were. I was a little worried at half time because we were only 1 0 up and we should have been about 8 up. Um, yeah. It's, it's, an odd, it's an odd FA Cup to be that comfortable. Yeah. It wasn't my favourite one. I think Hull's my favourite. Well, Hull's everyone's favourite of recent times anyway. Yeah. With the recent run. And we played Brighton away. Do you remember that one in the fourth round? See, we played Brighton away and won three two. I went to that. I went to that. I was in the director's box. Yes, you were. You wouldn't come and meet us afterwards. Nice. You're a bit too busy. Oh no, hold on. No, you, that's that's unfair. Actually, you got us into the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a different Thanks year. No, it, was a, it was a different yeah. year. I'm sorry. I I used up all my Brighton sponsoring credits to get into the um, director's box and sat with Liam Brady and had a very nice meal with Liam oh, Brady. That's right. Nice. There you go. The Sacker scored and... Um, yeah, with the header. Who else scored? Did Giroud score? Did Chamberlain set up Giroud? Giroud got the last one, a little deft flick at the front post. Uh, Theo got the first one. Sanchez, Mertz, sort of... and... And Giroud got the last one in stoppage time. What a day. So that was on this day, May the 30th uh, in 2015. Let's hope. We might have... Can you imagine if we get to a cup final on August the 1st? With no fans. No. No, I don't want... Can you imagine Wembley with no fans? Yeah. Mad, isn't it? They should play it on the beach. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you again soon. Cheers, Thanks very much. Cheers, Bye. Dick.